Welcome back, everybody. Today I'm joined by super talented actor, director, musician, Chrissy Nicastro. Hello there. Very kind. <laughs> Chrissy, mm-hmm. what are you drinking? Well, tonight, um, considering Ron's six-pack with Jack, I went out and got a six-pack. Tonight I'm drinking Harpoon IPA. It is the original New England IPA. And I'm quite fond of it. Oh, very nice. I think they're brewed in Vermont and in Boston. I have a shirt in my uh, in my closet right next to me. Yes, I have a hat and I wear it with pride. <laughs> Jeez, <dude. laughs> That'll change. Oh, yeah, you got to What do you uh, what do you have over there? Yes, what do you do? I have a shitty Bud Light. I I uh I can't stand <laughs> Bud Lights, but it was not my decision um i just had a kid get me some and i vamboed him and uh i i'm i'm all right with it honestly i'm gonna have you one, telling one... me a frat guy from uh, tampa doesn't like bud light i surprise Bud light i can't stand it but i just i don't know maybe it'll start to warm up on me they do have the best commercials though yeah absolutely they have strong marketing uh, that's why mm. i often find myself with them because more or less people just go for Bud Light when as a default, I feel like for me, that's coarse, but I feel like for a lot of people, I it's love just like, what are we drinking? I'll just get Bud. It's agreeable. Most people can get down with it as long as it's cold. Yeah. Coarse is nice. Coarse is delicious. Banquet, um, banquet and light. I, uh, I just wish we had more beer variety back in the day. There was so much more beer variety. It doesn't seem like there's as much beer out there anymore. Uh, it depends on where you are. New England is kind of, I feel like, a big place for IPAs and like all these um, smaller brands, these indie brands. There's a lot of competition in breweries around here. Uh, my cousin works for Harpoon, um, and he's always talking about all the other local brands around here. There's some good ones. Uh, Jack's Abbey, I think that's a, out of Framingham. That's a pretty good one. Uh, I recommend that. I don't know if they sell it outside of New England, but there's some good ones. Got you. All right. So what have you been up to, man? I know the Sleds album is right on your heels and it was fantastic, by the way. Um, Thank you. And, you know, Slim Thick Projects. What have you been up to? Yeah, right now for me, um, uh, me and the boys, the Sleds, we've been kind of kind of keeping ourselves busy. Um, I appreciate you saying that about the album. We were super stoked about that. Um, for anyone listening that doesn't know, we just released the record in July. Wow. It's already been a few months. Um, right now, we're actually getting started on arranging for another album that should be out early next year that, that we're super excited about. So that's my priority right now is getting everything in line to uh, produce that and get it out to the people. Yeah, it's that's so where did this love for music come from? Because it's so cool to me that you're you're able to do this. I could never do any of this stuff. 
Uh, I think you could. The thing with music is I think anyone that kind of leans on the creative side um, would probably be pretty good at music if they took the time. It's just like learning a language, really, right? And I think you're a creative guy. I mean, you got this podcast. You like to write. Um, if you or anyone else took the time to sit down and learn piano or guitar, you'd be surprised about how accessible music is. Um, for me, it came about because my brother was a drummer growing up, my, my big brother, uh, fantastic drummer. Um, so for me, I always figured, I always wanted to do the, like the same things he was doing. So I figured, well, he plays drums, I'll play guitar, like similar but different. And uh, yeah, it's been a long time coming. I picked up a guitar for the first time when I was 10. Um, I got it wow. for my birthday. Right, yeah, lifetime ago, really. Uh, I'm 23 now. Um, you know, but I didn't super care for it for the first few years of playing. I had it, and it was challenging, so I didn't give it much attention. I kind of let it just sit in my bedroom for a long time until a, about junior high, which is, I feel, a time when most people really start to connect with you uh, on more than just, like, a background level um yeah i really started to get in, into music around then and just like what it offered me in terms of inspiration and i was like oh wow i actually have a guitar in my room like i can realistically learn to make these sounds myself if i put the time in so let me Shit, is that where are. your love is that where your love for music started it would you say middle school and what what were you specifically listening to because that's it's uh, really cool to me yeah, well, thank you. Um, I would say that in middle school, I started to appreciate uh, all the music that was on our, so this was iTunes, you know, before Spotify and Apple Music were the predominant streaming platforms, you get to buy music. I don't know if you know that, you're younger, but back in my dinosaur ages, I, yeah, we had to I go remember, buy it, dude, it was crazy. I, I remember buying songs on iTunes. I remember being buying like, right? buying like 50 Cent. I remember when I was... 10 or 11 i was like i had the ipod touch and i um i was like dad like will you like tell mom if i buy explicit music like eminem <laughs> <laughs> and he was like all right always, just, yeah. just keep it on the down low <laughs> yeah it was different i remember asking my mom if i could buy um the album a blink 182 album called take off your pants and jacket and she shot that down immediately and i didn't understand what was the problem was i was like that sounds why not oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah i just remember buying like lose yourself like clean version or like uh till i collapse yeah. uh from yeah. <laughs> some movie soundtrack and being like going to my like elementary school football games like jacked up over those so I'm like oh i can't believe can't believe dad let me buy this song and then i yeah it's, it's weird between like just the radio <laughs> like blackouts in the back of the uh the minivan my dad's driving me to the game just jamming it yeah Absolutely. and then um it's so funny that these things become core memories because and then i also remember 2013 it, i think it was um it had to have been november uh sixth fifth maybe maybe fourth 
and the new Call of Duty was coming out and the new Call of Duty was Ghosts and they had the whole mm. marketing campaign with Eminem and I just remember, yeah. oh, this is going to be sick. Like the, the, yeah. the album and the card are dropping on the same day. Like this is going to be sick. Like uh, it's yeah. weird like that. So, but what music did like really, so was it Blink-182 or was it more like psychedelic stuff? For me in middle school, I really like Blink, but I didn't get into them until later in life. Um, for me in middle school, it was the year 2011, uh, the album Wasting Light by Foo Fighters came out. And I was already getting into music because of the stuff that my brother was listening to. Um, from iTunes, I would just like download that music, listen to it on the bus ride home. It's like you said, core memories. I still hear songs that were on those playlists now and kind of zip right back into, you know, looking out the window on the bus, listening to this song. Um, so the moment of truly being like, oh, damn, I really, really like how this like thing makes me feel was on the radio, a single from that album called Walk by Foo Fighters um, played. And it was just like a nice, beautiful day. I was in my mom's car. I just like how that song made me feel in that moment. And so that's, I think, where I credit the click, right? Where I was like kind of really appreciating or I've always appreciated it, but now it kind of really sat in like, wow, like music is a very powerful thing that can kind of really create uh, your moment. Um, and that song has killer guitar, right? It has a really cool uh, dynamic to it where I was like, wow, I could go home realistically. Uh, and learn to play this probably with enough given time. That's what I did. So I went home and I learned that song and kind of that was that band was my first real love. Uh, Foo Fighters, Dave Grohl, they really kind of were what I would go to regularly for years, you know, and I've expanded a lot since then, but I still kind of circle back to them um, as like a place of familiarity uh, and a place to draw influence from in terms of my own writing. And arranging where um where have your tastes expanded since then realistically so uh from there so i was kind of a 90s music kid for a while um and i still am i i love the 90s in terms of music that's like the golden age to me well the 60s i would say is like the golden age of music right and in my mind the 1990s is the closest thing to almost a revival of that um, sort of just golden age era aesthetic of music. So I've really gone back. I, I'm addicted to a lot of 60s bands, the Beatles being the biggest, obviously. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, incredible band, right? And then, so for me growing up, I mean, most of my friends were really into hip hop, um, which is in many ways this, the rock and roll of its time now, I feel. like I've had that rock same stars. feeling. Yeah, don't you feel like rock stars now are rappers you know like they have the same um level of um prestige that rockers of the 70s and 80s had um it's interesting really and i i respect the hell out of it now i'm starting to finally growing up i'm such like a like a old man in a, in a younger man's body right i could never really super appreciate all of it if it didn't have a guitar i was like hey fuck this but now i really am starting to appreciate it a lot more I've been listening to a ton, but again, this is an old band. I listen to a ton of Beastie Boys now, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, right? They are awesome. Yeah. I highly recommend them if you haven't really dug into their stuff. 
I'll give them uh, a listen. Yeah, I'll send you some records. They're they're a lot of fun. What I like about them and what I'm starting to like about different hip hop groups is they never never took themselves too seriously. Um, a lot of rappers um, just make music about whatever, man. You know what I mean? Like the Beastie Boys will have music that's like their first album is very fratty, very party, but then the second album is full of songs just about like there's a song about throwing eggs. You know what I mean? There's just like, they're just saying, yeah, you're right. It's, it's a great tune. It's like, uh, there's another song on that album called the sounds of science where all the bars are just like, how clever can we get with like rap lines that like are science references? You know what I mean? I appreciate their ability to break down the box. And a lot of other rappers do that too. I'm starting to appreciate some of the people that came after them, like a tribe called quest. Um, yeah, I really like Run the Jewels as a modern rap uh, act. They're really cool. They're really intelligent. Um, and they're pretty intense, too. Like, that's good lifting music, for sure. It is hip-hop. I love throwing gotcha. Run the Jewels to, to hit the squats, absolutely. <laughs> Gotta hit the squats. Just, yeah. um, But what I was thinking, I saw a TikTok, and it was talking about um, how – machine gun kelly it was some old head commenting because this girl on one of the shows on machine gun kelly tour got her like sign stomped on so then mgk brought this like 10 year old girl on stage and was singing with her and some old ass head was commenting like oh you know he's like singing about like drugs and stuff and like you know he's his whole image is bad and he has a baby mama like and I was thinking, like, how or and he's singing about a lot of the the biggest thing I've drawn is that rappers like you know a lot of lot of rappers you know not limited to Machine Gun Kelly like Juice World, um, Mac Miller, a lot of the modern rappers X like they all what they rap about is not too different from what rock and roll was singing about in the '60s and '70s. Like, I think of the biggest comparison i drew was like when juice world sings about uh, i'll talk about what i listen to the most when juice world sings about just like being perked out as shit and like not wanting to feel anything and just feeling like life's pointless like i think about pink floyd singing about the same thing 50 years earlier about how it's just like life is like just passes you by and it's kind of pointless it's not as obvious but it's the same core messages that just transcend is how I feel, at least. I'd love to get your thoughts on that. Yes, I really like this rabbit hole you're going down here, actually, Jack. Um, so for me, I think you're right uh, about a lot. Again, when I say that the rappers are today's rock stars, absolutely a big part of that from how I look at it is that absolutely they are dangerous. You know, when Elvis came out, society was different back then and having a guy like on tv shaking his hips is kind of tame now but back then that was pushing a lot of buttons you had crazy old yeah old heads in the 50s right were like, <laughs> this guy is is bad news he's going to corrupt the youth um that's what kids and kids saw that and were like wow this guy is really cool and he's dangerous and he's rebellious and i want to be like him um i think that it's a lot more, um, a lot of the stuff, like you draw a connection between Judas World, what he's, his messages are, and Pink Floyd. I think it's a lot more, um, a lot of the, and I could be wrong because I'm not super 
like acquainted with like say Juice World's music, but I think the messages are a lot more blunt now. Whereas I think Pink Floyd probably made more of an effort to sort of use metaphor. Um, yeah, and have, that, oh, like, you're absolutely right. It. There's a mm. lot more nihilism now, and I think this is almost what makes me wonder what music is going to look like in ten years. Because if you think about rock and roll um, and the way it progressed, rock and roll went through a period of excess and grandiosity in the 1980s uh, with hair metal and that whole scene, right? It all, Motley Crue, it all became about excess partying, which is a great era. There's some great music from that era. And then some people like to say that the 90s and grunge is sort of the hangover from the 80s, where mm. music became a lot more nihilistic. Um, and to me, I see a lot of that same pattern right now in rap music where the music is much more nihilistic, whereas maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago, it was almost in its hair metal phase, where, say, 20 years ago, you had 50 Cent, um, who was kind of almost the equivalent of... Absolutely. I I really like him a lot, actually. Um, Yeah, his music is is a lot more, I think, it kind of... I could be wrong, because I'm not super acquainted with his music, but, you know, his hits are all about going to the club, about partying, you know what I mean, access, <laughs> having a good time. And now you have a lot, you almost have guys like, and I would never compare anyone to Kurt Cobain, because I think this guy was kind of elevated beyond most artists, but a lot of the music now from newer artists um, is a lot more nihilistic, um, a lot more fatalistic. And I don't always necessarily like that, um, I know I just sang Kurt Cobain's praises, but as part of me wonders if Cobain and grunge was what kind of led to the quote unquote downfall of rock and roll and that it became more of like a, an emotionally draining experience. And I feel like a lot of the, it's hard for me to connect with a lot of this new music. I respect the artistry, but a lot of it is, it's just sad, man. You know what I mean? Um, it's, it is sad. You know, take a look at its relevance. So I'll bring it up. The Travis Scott uh, debacle this past weekend. Um, you know, people saw. I'm sure you saw videos from that. Um, terrible. It was it terrible. Just right? Awful. Yeah. It's very just sad. bad vibes. You know, bad juju. Bad vibes. You know, some people have different theories on what was going on. I think at the end of the day, like watching, at least me watching those videos, I just felt like really gross and bad, you know, about the whole thing. And, um, you know, I'm going to sound like a Luddite, but it makes me sad that that's like a lot of, like a lot of the biggest music now is put forward by people that don't have the best intentions or, um, yeah, you know, that I think the music kind of reflects that too. The energy I get from it, it's just hard for me. And I'm not going to diss anyone's taste. Like if people get down to that, go off King, you know, but it's for me, I really like bands that are an artist that have a certain degree of um, optimism and life affirmment in it. So I'm curious to see where music goes. Uh, long story short is that I'm curious to see if there's an answer to the sort of nihilistic way we're in musically. You know, I'd love to see bands and artists and rappers kind of create music that kind of uh, zags where everyone's zigging, you know, and um, kind of go looking towards the light, I guess, if music is kind of in a darker place right now. It is in a darker place. And I what you said is 
That's one of the most accurate things I've ever heard. Because I think if we look at um, just from 2000 to maybe 2010, uh, you know, I, and I love 50 Cent. I've been listening to 50 Cent, Get Rich, Die Trying. Um, what is his other? All of his albums. Fantastic. Big fan of Curtis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, he was really but, one of the dominant forces of his time. So when um, Get Rich or Die Trying came out in uh, 2003, a lot of his songs, you know, first of all, there's no real gangsters in the game anymore. Like I can't um, uh, picture like a trippy red or a um, or I don't even know. I can't even name any uh, like uh, a, I can't even picture a trippy red like beating the shit out of somebody or serving in jail. Or yeah, like you think a, maybe that they're all talking, or like a little Uzi. I can't picture them, dude. They're not. There's no real gangsters anymore. But like, I, you're absolutely right. I feel from you know 2000 to 2010, it was a lot of that. Uh, you know, we made it, and Jay Z too. Jay Z's another big one that I love. I love Jay Z. You know, they're like they actually made it out of something. They came up and they did that. And it's not that these other guys haven't, but um. I guess I think when they were when this next generation, this current generation was listening to the 50s and the Jay-Z's and they were hearing yeah. about how how great it is. And then yeah. they come up and then it's just not all that it's lived up to be. And you have to, like, be this person and you're letting a lot of people down and this or that. Yeah. The other thing. And it's just um, smoke and mirrors. I think that's maybe why they are just like talking about how, OK, this is not great, like. Maybe you have to use drugs to cope, stuff like that. You know, there's a, a great way of looking at it. Um, I think that, you know, you see a lot of these younger rappers dying too early, Juice World among them. Um, Mac Miller. Um, rap used to, as I look at it, be about, as you just said, right? Um, getting out of a bad situation. And a lot of these, uh, especially in like the dawn of of raps, um, like cultural significance, a lot of the music was about escaping, you know, from the projects, escaping from uh, a rough childhood. It became about like, and they would even maybe rap about selling the drugs. Now it's about doing the drugs. This is kind of my point is that I think it's become, there's a lot of uh, misconception. Maybe people grew up listening to people like, making music about what it was like to have to sell drugs to survive and kind of misconstruing it as, Oh, I need to do drugs to be, to be like truly authentic in my music. You know, I need to, I need to do what they were, what they were singing about when I was growing up. And I think that's, it's, it's, you know, I don't want to sound like all oh, rap, you know, is, is bad for the kids, like some kind of boomer, but <laughs> <laughs> You know, I wonder if the message just got misconstrued along the way. Um, because, I don't, you know, I, I don't really like, when, you know, I, I don't have a problem with addiction, but, you know, it's 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 tough to see a lot of these it's music now just kind of promotes, you know, um, you know Xanax and all yeah, sorts of things. I, I think people get the message. When did it become part of the cult? Like, I, I'll, I don't understand. Maybe. Or where, what was the turning point? I don't understand. Um, it just seemed yeah. like at one point nobody was talking about doing it and then the yeah. next everybody was doing it yeah maybe Every you know book is about it. Yeah, yeah it was just 
I, you know, perks and Xanax and stuff like that and lean. And, um, but I, I do know one rapper, the only one that I know, like that maybe I'm not going to say caused it, but like, so Mac Miller drops kids in 2010 when he's 18. And then that's his first mixtape, a lot of success, a lot of hype. And then he in 2011 so geez about 10 years 10 years ago he drops his first studio album which is blue slide park and then after blue slide park he he got slandered by critics he it got like a i forget what website but they gave him like a one out of five it was terrible and that's a 19 year old kid getting that like yeah, for something he drag. made. Yeah, and so, yeah, yeah. you know, he goes on to do other projects, but then when he drops Faces in 2014, that's when, so, you know, it's like he just started using substances to deal with that stuff. And he'd always smoked yeah. weed and stuff, but there are bars and faces that are dark, like very, yeah. very dark, scary dark. Like I'll be part of the 27 Club or – uh yeah habit like philip hoffman will put me in a coffin stuff like that and that i i it's just so terrible to see why are these kids getting why are these rappers getting like perked out and shit i don't know i wonder if part of it in his case you know like you probably hit the nail on the head saying that it's a pressure thing um when you're that that guy was mega famous an absolute rock star and when you're a kid and you're that famous you have people dragging your name in the mud a lot to deal with right oh, excuse me so then you probably find yourself and rock stars you know kurt cobain in the 90s dealt with things similarly you know you spend a lot of time and effort uh determined to be famous for your work and then you maybe get there and find out that fame isn't all it's cracked up to be and that's an easy coping mechanism is to yeah do and when you're that famous you have so much access to things like sure. that and then people and that people can, not telling you no you know a lot of famous people are yes enablers yeah yeah absolutely it's a sad thing i think but so i was reading they should it's such a hard issue because part of me wants to say like let's you know say fuck it and start selling shit but it, it's all real shit um you know, over the counter like they do in Mexico, but then all hell would break loose. So let's start selling like kits that are easy. It's because a lot of it's the fentanyl because it's cheaper and it's easy to cut shit with. So like if we just start selling more fentanyl like kits and awareness and it would, I feel like this stuff wouldn't happen. It's just terrible to me. Uh, Yeah, it's sad sad. we got to do that, but it might be the only solution, right? Just like accept the fact that it exists and educate and increase awareness and offer solutions, I suppose. It's just such a piss away for me. Yeah, it's sad to see, especially when young artists go. It's very sad. Um, You know, you wonder what could they have done going forward? You know, I think about that with artists all the time. What would have happened if this guy was still here? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I think yeah, I think I a think lot of it is also Juice World. 
Oh sure, I like, yeah, that was very I surprising. Need, uh, you, I think you you would like some of his work, and I'll send you some of his unreleased songs that are some of my favorite samples. But um, yeah, you know, I'm aware he's well kind of tuned in with the whole a, a lot of pop punk influences going on in his work, if I'm not mistaken. Huge, huge, yeah, and cool. so, uh, he um. I don't know. He was. I, it's just the talent that's wasted to me is what upsets me the most with Mac Miller yeah. and with Juice World, because yeah. the you know with Juice, that's a guy that would they the studio would give him play him a beat twice and he'd freestyle over it different two different times and he'd ask the studio which one they wanted to use for a song, like unbelievable. Yeah, yeah that just demonstrates a level of creativity that's not common at all. He definitely deserved all success. It's a shame to see that it went too soon. I should definitely check him out. I'm starting to get a little, um, a little burnt out. On I was really into this whole idea of um, there was almost an amalgam of alternative rock and pop punk and hip hop that was going on with Juice World. It was going on with uh, who's the blonde kid? Um, was she, he was, was really she good, good, Kelly. No, but I did like his punk album. Uh, the other one, the one who came before him, he died too, really young. Lil Peep, yeah, huge Lil Peep. Lil Peep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You like Lil Peep? Uh, yeah, I do. Lil Peep's, um, Lil Peep's. I- I've listened to him a little bit. My fraternity brothers, like the first night I got back to Tampa, and I I just had to crash it you know his house and he yeah. was just there rotting on the couch with his girlfriend watching little peep music videos the that's where <laughs> like yeah that that's where i think a lot of the um the drug stuff started is and that he was a big like pop punk I, I, yeah but that shit was like cool not I, good for you it is really cool but no, it's yeah, not yeah. good for it's you. conflating the message with something you know, a lot of so my favorite band right now, I'll say, I'll say this is uh, I've gotten really into over the last year the band Oasis uh, from the '90s. You know, the guys who do Wonderwall. Uh, oh, yeah. I kind of listened to them during quarantine last year. I would go for a lot of walks with my dogs and try new records out, and one of them was an Oasis album, and uh, I kind of really fell in love with them not just because the songs were really good and they are a lot of it for me was this band um, nearly everything about them was sort of a promotion of like life affirming qualities. Uh, there's a certain, even like you listen to wonder wall, which is their big hit. Like there's just, a, they have a similar setting to the Beatles to me where it's all about love. It's all about life. It's all about, uh, one of my favorite Oasis songs is called Live Forever. It's right there in the name, right? Jacks me up every time. I, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll be doing homework to this band and I'll just be like, it's such a hard band to do homework to because it makes me think, God damn, there's so much more to life than school. Point being, <laughs> like, it, I love bands that like artists that just promote just like how dope life can be and ought to be rather than taking a nihilistic, fatalistic approach to things. Um, and I wish that there were more artists and I'm sure there are artists around right now that are doing that, but I look around just at the mainstream and I feel like that's kind of few and far between. Like I said, I think we're kind of almost in, in terms of popular music now, we're almost kind of in a grunge phase right now. Yeah. What is the state of popular? What is the state of the union on popular music in your opinion? 
I bet we're about to see a change. Um, you know, I think what went down at Astro World this past weekend, I think, and what's going on in society right now, society's been in a nihilistic place for this last few years um, with everything that's going on. I could totally see a, like a, a sort of pushback against those, like a rebellion against those. That's been the, it stinks. I, you know, I'm a positive guy. So I look around and um, it's just so much negativity and pessimism. I, I hope that the state of popular music will kind of uh, pendulum back to the other side. Cause that's how it's always been. You know, music was very fun and big and bombastic in the eighties. And then it was kind of bummed out and hung over in the nineties. And then by the two thousands, it was fun. Again, you had a lot of fun, pop punk, you had a lot of fun rap and now we're kind of swung the other way. I think we're in the kind of the darkest depths, you know, I think Astro world, if you look at things historically, it could almost someday be looked at as a turning point uh, in terms of like, you know, where are we going? What sort of feelings are we trying to promote in popular music right now? Is it people getting crushed to death while the artist watches from stage, right? Like, that was horrible. Yeah. So I don't know. I really don't know. But that's what I, I hope for me, that's and the music I'm trying to make myself is I'm trying to go for, like, what I believe in, which is that, which is... uh um, optimism and kind of hope in a desolate world or a world that can seem desolate. So I hope that people like, I'm hoping someday, like, you know, if we're lucky enough and if, uh, like the sleds could kind of be part of that wave, man, I really do of, of being something that's like inspiring about like, you know, inspiring feelings of love and promoting like, you know, optimism and power and everything. Sex, you know what I mean? Love, peace, like absolutely just fucking celebrate. Hell man. yeah. Celebrate, Hell yeah. You know, that's, now, what, that's what it's all about to me. Where does uh, Pink Floyd fall on that spectrum? Because they are probably my, they definitely are my favorite yeah, band of I was all time. And I love them. them up. Yes, I was really much hoping you'd bring them up because I know you're passionate <laughs> about them. Uh, Pink Floyd is a band that I have not given the proper deep dive to yet because i find music finds me naturally i don't like to force artists like i feel like like it took me years to get into the beatles and now i'm obsessed i feel like people like dylan people bands like pink floyd eventually i'm going to be like holy cow i get it but from what i know about pink floyd now because i've listened to all the hits i've listened to a, a bunch of deep cuts um i think that they were sort of almost a build off of what the Beatles had started with kind of dabbling in psychedelic music and really exploring some profound stuff, stuff that had never been explored up to that point in popular music, uh, really kind of digging deep that like the depths of the human spirit. That's what dark sides all about. I feel like um, it's beautiful, man. They are still so influential uh, for what they were doing back then. Uh, you know, I, some, I listened to music from dark side, or Wish You Were Here is actually my favorite. Um, it is, Wish Floyd. You Were Here is fantastic. It's a special goddamn record, man. I love the way it flows so seamlessly. Um, it's so cool. You know, the the, the yeah. My favorite is uh, from uh, Welcome to the Machine and then uh, Have a Cigar. Those two back-to-back just uh, yeah. facing off on each other. It's so cool. I love Have a Cigar. That song rocks. It really So does. great. 
I, I really appreciate, um, you know, instrumentally, uh, Dave is a guitarist. Mr. Gilmore is incredible. I think that guy's feel was some of the greatest feel on a guitar ever. You know, there are players who are faster than him, but that doesn't matter because the notes he would choose and the way he would bleed them, like, you know, it's special, man. It's like, it says more than words can say. A guitar solo from Gilmore, it's incredible. What's your favorite Gilmore guitar solo? I need to know. Oh, um, money's got to be up there, but his whole, a lot of his stuff on, um, wish you were here, uh, shine on on your crazy diamonds parts one through nine. Like that's all him playing guitar. Um, you, so the thing with Pink Floyd is that's so fascinating to me is the way their music changed in only about seven years, maybe eight. So like you said, they were really just like that, you know, the British invasion of the Beatles and then Led Zeppelin and, uh, Led Zeppelin one came out a couple years before dark side. And that's, I think Led Zeppelin is probably greatest band ever but i think dark side's the greatest album ever besides um maybe uh sergeant peppers or um you know any of those fantastic beatles albums i would say talent wise led zeppelin is probably yeah the best band ever put together and uh in terms john of like, bonham, like a super group john bonham best drummer ever yeah yeah and you could make an argument for any guy in that band being the best at their position quote unquote Dude, they were literally the fucking the, the Jordan Bulls of rock music, if you ask me. Like everyone on that squad was unbelievable. Jimmy Page, man, you want to talk guitar playing? Now that he's my goat for guitars, you know? Wow. The way yeah. that guy would make it speak, man. Oh man, man <laughs> it blows me away. I'm getting chills just and thinking about it. <laughs> I was just listening to uh Led Zeppelin four. Um yeah. Because it just turned fifty years old, and yeah, that album is still so sick. And yeah, um, masterpiece, right? One, two, three, four. It's just back to back to back. There, uh, sensational. Track, yes, no. Absolutely. And the openings of every single album kick ass. Um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, um, what's your favorite among the those four? Like opening song. I like, uh, for example, I love Whole Lot of Love. I think that song is amazing. That, yes, definitely that. It's so simple, but so effective. It's just a barn burner. You know, yeah. it's great. Is I have four on vinyl, um, and it's it's an older vinyl. It, it was, I think it used to belong to either my father or my uncle. And so it's just kind of like old and, and warped enough that there is a, like a, a light element of like crackling and... Um, just oh, like that's awesome. vinyl noise on it. So when Stairway comes on, Stairway to Heaven comes on on Led Zeppelin 4 on my vinyl, it has like, you know, that just like iconic that opening thing. There's just the right amount of uh, crackle going on. Oh. on the album. Yeah, it's it sells. Love the me, crackle. I, Love the yeah, crackle. Yeah, I'm saying, I, you know, I listen to the recorded version or the um, Spotify version sometimes and I'm like, oh, I wish it had for me, like, I'm just so blessed, like, to have that one moment on that song. It's just, like, every time I play it on my turntable, it has, like, the right moment, the right amount, rather, of just, like, ethereal, like, supernatural, like, yeah. Just, yeah, like, vinyl noise. 
I've because never to me, thought that's the greatest song that. of all time. Yeah, it's like because I think that song is like it's it's almost cliche, but that song to me is the greatest rock song ever made. Not my Whole favorite, but I think it's the greatest. No, um, Stairway to Heaven. Oh yeah, that song, unbelievable. Uh, yeah. Just uh, crazy, weird, like you said, ethereal. Um, mm. But I was circling back to Pink Floyd. So I need sure. to listen to their stuff from the 60s. But what really starts Ooh, it for Sid me, Barrett, if you start, yeah, the Sid Barrett. But you could still feel a lot of Sid Barrett on the album before Dark Side and Dark Side. So it's metal, then Dark Side, and then Wish You Were Here, Animals, and The Walls. They're probably power five, I would say. Um, if you like the more experimental psychedelic stuff uh you know after listening to dark side if you like a lot more the uh, guitar solos and stuff metal is definitely for you the uh the second side of the album is one 23 minute song it's insane it's so cool and it's i love i was listening to it today because it was just it was blowing me away just they yeah all the that's where that meme comes from where it's like yeah it'd be like we live in a society, 20 minute guitar solo. <laughs> and that you know meme is so funny. Yeah, that meme is hysterical to. to me. Yeah, that meme is hysterical to me because it's like facts. It's just they, they have, you know, some of their albums are five songs long and they're all 10, 15 minutes long. So that's a lot more the psychedelic stuff uh, and more... Um, more not lyrics what's the opposite of lyrics like instrumental stuff and then if you'd like the more lyrical stuff you go more towards the wall and animals where they're talking about society and you know backstabbing and greedy people and that's and then obviously the wall is like the story of this rock star that's just lost Yeah, it's powerful. Have you ever seen the Wall movie? I haven't watched. No, it, I, heard I need to, you want you want to smoke pot and watch it when I get home, dude. I'll fly down right now. And watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so down, uh, dude. Let me know uh, though. I'm, we'll get into it, dude. I can't. Wait. I, I I can't even like. I hate smoking, but like I I just feel like that's one of those things you just gotta just be like. Just take like a little bit of little bit of pot to the dome. Yeah, you can't watch the wall sober, dude. I mean, it's just mm. it just doesn't compute. You know, for me with Pink Floyd, I think they did a great job of having music that was songs that were very expansive and psychedelic, like long masterpieces. But they were also good at having songs that were very like I had a high degree of pop sensibility. Um, another brick in the wall is a great example of that. Oh, like that song so cool. is a really good pop song, quote unquote. Not to say it's pop music, but it almost is. You know, it's very catchy. Mm-hmm. It's not too long. It's like you hear it, it makes you kind of want to dance. They were very good at ha- touching both territories. I think "Wish You Were Here," the title song, is another great example of almost so doing both. Good. So yeah. good. So catchy, so beautiful, but it's not too conventionally pot but it also is like anyone could listen to that appreciate it it's not too challenging they were really good at blending that yeah do you remember when we were at the gavel and they were playing a song i forget which one but they were playing a song off animals and i was like that's so Mm -hmm. i was like blown away i was like what they're playing a song 
like on an album that's talking about stabbing people in the back <laughs> yeah. society and stuff like that and they got like, good man. taste absolutely yeah i love when bands really pull cuts like that like deep cuts you're like yo like i love yeah, this one that that is a deep cut the deep yeah. cuts are huge um for a guy I, like you, that must be exciting did you get a lot of your um music taste from your old man um so i actually think that i got most of my music tastes from my mother and from my brother and my dad because my dad has a big his favorite we like a lot of the same music his favorite band is U2, who I'm not like super down for, but I like I appreciate. My mom listens to a lot of Springsteen and a lot of Tom Petty, who are massive influences on my own writing. Um, and my brother too was really into Foo Fighters, was really into a lot of, but he was into a lot of heavier stuff. So for me, I found I kind of carved out my own niche of like the lighter stuff my brother would listen to, like the more melodic stuff. Um, and then the music, my mom would play a bunch of CDs growing up. My earliest musical memories when I was probably four or five years old were uh, listening to an album by Bruce Springsteen that came out in 2001 called The Rising. So if I really think back to like some of my earliest memories of my life are from that album. And so wow. I think that had a profound impact. Yeah, right. It's crazy to think about. It. And that had a profound impact on me as a person, on the music I like on the music i make yeah which is a great record crazy. you should check that one out that one's about 9-11 it's a very well composed like just amazing record really yeah it's terrible so yeah. you get your music tastes from pretty much your whole family uh yeah. this is the other thing i really wanted to uh pick your brain about what about your comedy taste because you have some of the funniest <laughs> comedy chops i've ever seen you and tom so hysterical yeah. Um, first of all, first, thank you. first day, first day is I still watch it <laughs> and I still am, uh, you know, Tom said it was the best thing you guys ever wrote and made. And I still laugh hysterically when I'm watching it. Film wise, I, I really have to agree with Tom. That was probably so for the listeners who aren't aware. Uh, yeah, there's some hilarious comedy films uh, on YouTube that I've been involved in. Um First day was almost that was yeah that was our first like that was our hit single you know what I mean like I, I appreciate that and I, I I was pretty proud of my performance in it um, I was kind of more of just the straight man in that one but I think that's important to have in comedy is to have very important um, yeah is to have somebody if you have people who are constantly trying to outdo the other it doesn't make for good comedy I think it's the underrated part of comedy is having someone who's playing it straight to and still can get the jokes in you know i've always appreciated comics that were a lot drier in their delivery um um so for me that was kind of an influence on what i tried to bring to that film and then i was surrounded by ridiculous people like our buddy tom who's you know is super uh like just outgoing and his very big personality he's hilarious you know and just letting his energy run wild our buddy um, Liam Collins scene in that film where he plays the gym teacher is the best scene <laughs> in the film. You know, just letting him cut loose and do his thing. You gotta, you have to do that. You know, for you gotta play your role. Um, and definitely for me, the biggest influence of my sense of humor is my father, who's just a sarcastic bastard like I am. Like me and that dude will just could riff for hours, probably right, on just like 
scathing sarcasm, very dry. He's a, he's great. You know, I look up to him endlessly. My dad's my hero. And so his sense of humor is part of that, you know, it's super, uh, just funny. You know what I mean? Dry, just like observations, witticisms. And also the movies he showed me growing up, a profound moment in my life in terms of like, I can probably cut my life into two uh, halves, AD, sorry, BC, AD style. And that was seeing the movie Monty Python and the Holy Grail as a child. Have you seen that one? Of course I've seen that. When Adam DeCastro told me when Adam DeCastro told me in homeroom that he had seen that movie, yeah. I was like, wow, like, you know, I was yeah. not expecting that. That's a funny yeah. movie. That's awesome. Yeah. And he's he gets it too. Cause like I feel like if you saw that movie at a young age, like me and me and Adam did, like your life isn't the same. Cause that movie is straight up fucking absurd as you know, you know <laughs> fucking ridiculous film dude they they like they literally remember when they throw the holy hand grenade at like the rabbit at the killer rabbit like just so yeah. many scenes of just like, yeah, they're like just like it's absurd man like king arthur's throwing a, a hand grenade at this rabbit that has just ravaged his his uh his his, his legion of men like <laughs> it's just a wild situation um and for me, like that movie, like I came away from it. And I feel like I was like, wow, I didn't know movies could be that goddamn absurd, you know, or that silly. So that was a big influential moment on my sense of humor. Napoleon Dynamite is another movie that I watched as a kid. And I was like, I've never seen anything like this. And I didn't know that movies could be this absurd and ridiculous. Those are probably the two biggest influential movies on my sense of humor. And they're both, you know, they're both similar. And like they're both just absurd, yeah, yeah. You know? Absurd films. That's what I, I like. Absurd humor. I think. I think absurd humor is some of the best, and that's why I think. Yeah. I, I've always said northeastern humor is sup- superior, just way smarter. Um, that's why you know I'm such a big fan of like Little Sasquatch on Twitter, for example. I freaking love Little Sas. He's, I appreciate that you appreciate Little Sass. Oh, he's his like I think his is it's hard to describe, um, but his sense of humor is so hysterical to me. Yeah, just like yeah. it has it's the perfect blend of like you know not really like crossing any lines, but if you're crossing yeah. like a line, like just like do it like so absurd or not yeah. even just it's I can't even put it into words, but he he just what he says always just fucking kills me so me funny dude i follow him and his burner a little sasquatch little sam squanch yeah um, his burner like, is where it's at just like you know the burner is the most un- little sam squanch is the most underrated probably account on twitter yeah dude that guy just like you're right he doesn't like there's a big controversy now in comedy that oh you can't say this you can't do this like you can't be funny like that's i don't think that's true like that guy is freaking hilarious he just like yeah, and he's never like said anything offensive in his life on camera like anything he says that's mo- like remotely politically charged is done in the most like self-aware um like intentionally yeah, yeah. just like yeah. satirical and way absurd too like talking about covid talking about yeah like oh yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. if joe rogan told me to do black tar hair when i would do it <laughs> That's like, for me, that tweet, I was laughing at that one too. That's like kind of his comedy summed up. It's like, yeah, like, I'm sure he like, he's not like taking political sides. Like he's not trying to burn down like the SJW establishment, right? And he's not trying to do the opposite. He's just like, 
yeah, like Joe Rogan's pretty silly, but if you're listening to him telling you to do Black Tar Heroin, like it's probably insane. You know what I mean? Like he's really good <laughs> at breaking down. Like he's just he's smart. I, I like little stuff. Oh, I really, smart I, I hope and he gets it. And knows that I like him. Smart yeah, he's, he's and funny, he gets man. it. He just gets yeah, it. Yo, gets you want to hear? You want to hear something crazy? I met one of his best friends from back home at a party here in Tampa. He goes to Tampa. We were throwing no way. a yeah. So his boy Nate was in sig ep and we were throwing a party with them and it was so funny like off chance i uh he's just like this kid he's like you know a little shorter than me was talking to him and somehow like comedy came up and i was like you know he's like oh northeastern's humor superior and he said he was from massachusetts and he said all the best comics are from here like the northeast and then i mentioned lil sasquatch i said lil sass and yeah. he like his eyes like lit up. He's like, "That's so funny <laughs> that you say that." I grew yeah. up with Lil Sass. Oh man, the and good I was to say about him. Yeah, he had great things to say about him. Uh, I was picking his brain about it for like I didn't want to be like a dick rider because you know we're all like 19, yeah. 20 year olds. Like we we were drinking. He was he was pretty inebriated at that point. Um, but like he was telling me he's like a normal ass kid like you know some, yeah. he doesn't like he doesn't like being called little sasquatch in public <laughs> like he's just like a just he'd be like one of us like yeah. he's just kind of like to the point where it's like kind of he, he the the way he described it and i won't speak on it too much uh he just said like he feels like he has imposter syndrome sometimes because it's like he's just a normal kid from massachusetts just got a wicked sense of humor and yeah. somehow he just he just parlayed it into success for himself, which is awesome. And I yeah. I'm stoked for him. Me too. You know, it's really great to see he's kind of like what a generation that was raised on, you know, SpongeBob. Like that's what the humor is going to look like. You know, he's yeah. that I think personified, and he's very blessed to have been recognized. He's very deserving to have been recognized for it. Oh, absolutely. Tweet shit all the time that cracks my sides you know what i mean oh, he's a goddamn he classic kills guy. me i uh yeah. i was i was at to the point the other day where i was like i was hung over as shit and i i googled little sasquatch and i went on images and i was just swiping looking for older tweets and uh yeah I, just, I, just, I, just I a laugh just, like any of them i was just screenshotting some of them were hysterical um <laughs> you'll have like, to send me them <laughs> one of them uh Fuck, it was like, you know, uh, onlookers horrified when gorillas, like, giving each other oral sex at zoo. <laughs> um, and and, and little, so little Sasquatch uh, quote tweets it and goes, uh, horrified how, horrified why, since when is beautiful <laughs> love horrifying? <laughs> it's, just, it's just nature. <laughs> what <Yeah>. the hell? <laughs> What's your See, deal? I, it's so funny. His, uh, like, I am a hundred percent. I like, I don't like, I'm not a jealous guy, but I'm like, damn, like, that is just such so on the nose. Like, I wish my yeah. brain worked that way. And I'm very He's happy quit. with yeah. the way my brain works and like how absurd it is sometimes. But, um, he's funny man he's just the yeah best. he's really quick and he, he deserves every bit of it i think a lot of these i'm curious to see you know what it's funny so i wrote a blog for slim thick sports 
um, at one point in time, like basically saying, where of all the good comedy films? I feel like you probably read that blog. I Yo, I, I tweeted about that the other day. Um, the last one I can deadass remember would be The Interview 2014. I have not yes. seen a funny movie come out after 2014, like an actually funny movie. Yeah, I agree 100%, Jack. It is wild. But to me, I I wonder if all like the good comedic talent, they're just online now, you know? Guys like Little Sasquatch, um, you know, he's he could have in another life, like maybe if he was born or anyone like him was born 10, 20 years ago, to become successful in comedy, they would probably have to move to Los Angeles, right? Kind of duke it out out there. Yeah. Um, get lucky like Will Ferrell did, you know, where he did that exact thing, for example, uh, a long time ago and, and managed to kind of parlay that into becoming a very successful actor, comedian. Now all the it, com- comedy is just so readily available to make for you on Twitter, on TikTok. That I think that's the reason the way we don't have a lot of good new comedians and good comedy films is because all the ideas are just getting recorded and thrown on TikTok. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh. It's just different now. That's so interesting that you bring up. So like two things on that. One would be that with and if you know Lil Sass was born 20 years earlier, I do not think that he like he's a very you know, his buddy was telling me he's kind of like introverted, quiet. He was telling me if he was at the party yeah. that we were at, he would just be, you know, drinking, not really talking to anybody. He's just a yeah, quiet, yeah. reserved kind of kid. And but yeah. you know, he was funny online. Uh, and yeah. he's obviously funny in person, but he's just this quiet kid. And I think yeah. also, the, yeah, super smart, like funny. He's out, I like, feel like you got to be smart I, to be funny. I feel you like have to be smart good. to be funny. Even if you're not good at yeah. school, your just brain has to just work in those absurd angles yeah. and stuff. I um yeah. and I like have a I feel like I have a lot of similarities to him and you know a lot of those guys at least and that's what makes them so popular. Yeah, you know? yeah. I'm a kid I mean, you cracked me up, bro. Your brain kind of works <laughs> in the same sort of absurd. Like you don't take things too seriously. You know, I appreciate your your sense of humor. Absolutely, um, I appreciate that you appreciate it. Um, but my uh, like I just feel like Lil Sass I kind of similar like. And obviously not nearly as funny as him, but, um, you know, like kid from small town, smallish town in Massachusetts, you know, diagnosed with ADD growing up and like, you know, I've just been like, you know, normal, very normal. Um, And then that's what makes it so funny to me. But then number two would be that the the wit and humor of Gen Z, like on TikTok, for example, the it the the trends and stuff the trends happen so fast i feel yeah. like you wrote you know you write produce uh film sketches and stuff they're already old at that point they're already like yeah. kind of outdated and the wit of gen z is so Great funny point. they can take like a stupid thing that happens and they'll make it like a mega viral meme but in a month it won't even be like in yeah. the back of anybody's brain and wow, it's so point. yeah it's it's part of it's definitely the attention span, but it's yeah. just Gen Z's fucking funny. I don't know why we yeah. are. I don't know why we are. Maybe because we grew up in an economic recession and we're just like, you know, kind of yeah, just doing nonsense. But we yeah. are funny. And I agree. Not traditionally funny because if I show yeah. my mom a TikTok 
making fun of um like being very nelk and raftish she'd be like oh this doesn't make any sense but i'm like on the floor dying laughing because this yeah kid's like be he, this kid's like yeah i'm fraternal raftish nelking i tried to show my dad i think you should leave because my dad and i have the same sense of humor <laughs> and he didn't get it and i fucking i don't know if you've seen that show but it's yes hilarious it's amazing and i think for i was like wow like okay so that's where the divide the generational divide finally comes into play like i finally found something that my dad doesn't find funny and i find hilarious I think that show like is definitely like very similar to that Gen Z sense of humor that you describe. I agree. I think from the age group from around your age to my age, and we're not that far apart, but I think, I think there's a certain, like just a way of viewing the world that we were instilled with that kind of blends into this absurd, I call it the SpongeBob generation, man. You know, I, It I think is. like, It really A lot deadass of it, we, we were is. blessed with great television growing up. Some of the funniest shows, I think, of all time we have lost But now to growing there's no up. more good television because it's all just Right. a bunch of pussies writing stuff. And I'm not even Absolutely. trying to be like political, but like there's Yeah, no but it's true. really Yeah, it's watered creative, down. funny stuff. It's like just all black. Like, I've seen newer episodes of SpongeBob and they are not funny, man. It's they've completely lost the mark on what made that show funny. There was no maturity there to is it. there's a great youtube video i i'll uh i'll send you after this and it talks about how the you know after the original writing team left spongebob got more and more literally cartoony whereas in the Yeah. early the late 90s early 2000s it was more about writing and jokes and stuff and that was a Yeah. lot of the humor And it was mature. I think it treated kids with like respect. Like it assumed that we were smart enough to understand its its humor. And we were. And we found it hilarious. Those early seasons of SpongeBob, yeah, up until the movie, some of the greatest comedy ever written, um, in my perspective. And it's not just SpongeBob, you know, a lot of the shows that we grew up with. Uh, either kid shows or more mature shows like uh, the early seasons of Family Guy. Excuse me, I got indigestion right now. Um, South Park, you know, we were we were blessed with some amazing programming. <laughs> South Park Amazing. is definitely my my version of your Monty Python because I remember when so my mom would work she would take Thanksgivings off and she would work in the hospital on Christmas Day and so every Christmas Day my dad would bust out uh our this DVD my uncle Jeff gave him And it was uh, the South Park Christmas special. And it was all these songs about what Christmas looked like in hell with John F. Kennedy and uh, Saddam Hussein and all these guys. Oh And my it was, God, I'm just saying. and Mr. Mr. Hankey, the Christmas poo and uh, A legend. talk. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Italian And um, died. just like stupid stuff. And I, Yeah. I remember Or hysterically like the one where laughing. Satan has a love triangle with Saddam Hussein and just like another just generic gay dude. Like that episode is Yeah, just so absurd. all, all, all the South Park Christmases, <laughs> and then it was like Merry yeah. Christmas, Charlie Manson, and it was um, Yeah, right. yeah, like yeah, all that that Yeah. it was all that was my Absurd. I was like it was so funny to me, and I it was so Yeah. hard to describe to friends because I was like this is just hysterical, and Yeah. I think that's the perfect blend for me of um with South Park is absurdity and then making fun of. making fun of people and it's also they write the episodes in six days it Yep. stays relevant Incredible. when they make fun of i don't know 
God, anything really. I think. Yeah. And they don't take sides. They, they, anyone's a No. It's beautiful. They're great. They're great. Yeah. I, you know what movie I watched that they both did was um, Mantrea, Team America, World Police. You like I'll that movie? It's an underrated movie. I love that movie, Jack. It's an underrated Dude, film. How it's funny is it? What? I will. I hysterically laugh every when um they they you know Matt Damon does an interview after he's like yeah I'm not sure why they made my uh my character like retarded in it <laughs> and uh, he just says and, his own name like he's a yeah. freaking Pokemon dude. yeah and then and, and um. Matt and Trey like are asked about it and they're like, yeah, like, you know, when we got all the molds for the puppets, we just thought it looks like like a special needs like Matt Damon, like a simpleton. <laughs> so like stuff like that. That's yeah. his yeah. Oh, I laugh. It's hysterical because, you know, he goes on. And it's just like Matt Damon. <laughs> And it doesn't take itself doesn't take itself too seriously. Like they're literally just no. calling on anyone and everyone. That movie's great because it absolutely calls out like they're good at hitting both sides of the spectrum, man. It calls out like the over, uh, over like whateverness of like conservatism, and it also yeah, just makes fun the, of like really liberal actors. Like you know, it's great. Bush Bush era America, where it was a lot of yeah. you know spending and you know excess yeah. and uh, yeah, um, just a lot of like. Yeah, basically America. F yeah, a lot of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of stuff. just like, yeah, just vibrato. Sorry, vibrato, bravado. Um, and then they'll go and make fun of like the film actors guild. You know, a scene later. You know, there's like <laughs> that there isn't is a, genius. Yeah, there's a lot of like people that are left outside of their crosshairs. They're great. Yeah, it is, it is like underrated joke in that movie. I will say. Like, um, what you know, the, like who didn't think of turning the Screen Actors Guild, the SAG, into the Film yeah. Actors Guild, and then it's, saying like, it's, oh, yeah, it's Alec Baldwin, Alec Baldwin, and then yeah, and then under Alec Baldwin, it's F A G, and it's just coming to all like no one is getting left out. It's like Alec Baldwin. No. Film Actors Guild, Sean Penn, Film Actors yeah. Guild, you know, <laughs> Matt Damon. Yeah, right. It's incredible. And like the the way that like they're great. So, Trey and Matt, absolutely. Those guys have never once taken themselves or anything else seriously. And I think they're oh, probably the most influential comics we have right now. They're so funny, bro. And I don't like even like something as stupid as World of Warcraft, they're making fun of it and they're like, Yeah, oh, Yo, do you have an account? No, I have a life. <laughs> nah, how can you kill that which has no life? Like, the lines are fucking classic. And like the voice they do for like the adults, just like, the, oh, wow. Like it's just so damn good, yeah. dude. I was watching I, um, one recently where Randy is Lord and I was laughing my goddamn ass off. You uh, remember that one? The best, it's the so best. It's so goddamn good, dude. Stan's like, Dad, Lord's music is actually really good. And he's like, Yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just wait till I add the drum loops and the auto tune. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I am Lord. I am Lord. It's incredible. They are it's so funny, dude. That's the thing Bless to me that separates uh, Family Guy and South Park. Because Family Guy, um, the voice acting just drives me insane. Every woman sounds the same. Um, it just, yeah. the the woman drives me the most nuts. Every woman sounds the same. You know, the guys all sound dumb. Half the guys sound the same because it's Seth MacFarlane doing the voices. But right. when 
and uh, you know that sounds hypocritical because Trey yeah. and Matt do all the voices, but when they do them, they're so over the top and like it, it just—it's so funny to me. Um, another yeah. one of my favorite episodes is the one about Mormons, and that is hysterical. Oh, the one where the—are you talking about the one where like the confirmed outcome of like the correct religion is Mormonism? Is that the one you're talking about? Like, oh no, no, but that one—that one's also that one's funny. pretty funny. Like everyone um, else goes to hell unless they were Mormons. That's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> the Mormons are the only ones that got it right. <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> and they're like partying, having Mormon parties in heaven. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, I'm talking about yeah, like they uh, a Mormon kid moves to town and they tell uh, he tells Stan the the story of Joseph Smith and they're they're oh, wow. all they're all super they're all super nice like over the top nice. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, Mormons are a, interesting people. So I've interesting. Been to Utah. And they are an interesting bunch. I went out to Utah and like just everyone there is just Mormon. And they're an interesting breed. They really it's are. crazy. They're nice people though. Very nice they, people. They have hot air balloon festivals out there. I think that's beautiful. Do they really? They yeah, they all get in their hot air balloons. And like <laughs> I, the sky is just littered with balloons and Mormons flying around doing their thing. Doing their thing. Provo is beautiful. You should balloon. definitely, uh, yeah. If you ever get to travel around that part of the country, definitely, you definitely go to Utah. Go to Provo. It's a beautiful slice of land out there. All right, I gotta, I gotta like write down the stuff I gotta send you. So I gotta send you, uh, SpongeBob YouTube video, and then Please. I'm gonna send you the uh, the Mormon episode of South Park um, because yeah. you'll love the uh, the punchlines in that one. Absolutely. Um, I can't get enough. And then, let me, but the last thing I wanted to touch on was, you know, comedy's great, music's great. Where did the sled start? Where did that come into play? The sled started when, so I'll go back to my kind of musical journey. I played guitar for uh, throughout my teen years, um, but I was mostly a bedroom guitar player. I never gave myself the credit. Um, I didn't know a ton of other musicians and I didn't make, a big attempt to find other musicians because I didn't think I was good enough. I didn't know what it meant to be good enough to be in a band. Um, and eventually, so, you know, I graduated high school. Eventually I met Jared, Jared Conroy sings in the sleds. Uh, he played guitar. And so he and I became friends. Um, and just over time, like I found out just like fun facts about him. Like, Oh, he could play guitar. He plays, he can play yellow lead better by Pearl Jam guitar. It's a great song. That's cool. Like we have similar tastes. We both really like Tenacious D. That's Jack Black's band. They're amazing. Uh, we both really like the Foo Fighters. And then one day at a party, um, me, Jared, and um, another, you know, Joe Black. He's in the Slim Thick Sports Group chat. Um, Joe Black is a big part of the sled history, a big part of the program, even though he doesn't play instruments. Me, Jared, and Joe kind of had a, like, we were at this party. I had my guitar in the car and i was like hey i'm gonna go get my guitar like we were like let's go jam so we went up to like a bedroom in this house and just like just like i played some riffs like i had been writing riffs or making up riffs really just casually over the years and i was playing them some of like the ideas i had and we all just kind of clicked like on making up songs out of these riffs like we were all just totally riffing and coming up improving like 
some beautiful music like you that's someone awesome still has the, the master tape of that moment i'm pretty sure and the song yeah it, it was it was amazing in that moment like there was just this feeling of like wow like everything we're kind of doing here even though we're just kind of screwing around and having fun at this party like alone in this bedroom everything we're doing here like i would listen to this on the radio you know a hundred percent and so that's when the sled started right there and the three of us met up a week later or maybe even a few days later to try writing songs and jared and joe had just done a rap ep which is really good called it's under the name the new hopefuls on soundcloud it's very very good it's five songs long so they had already done like recording but this was like different you know we were going to do rock and roll um and so we kind of just sat down and uh, a front yard on the steps with guitars and a notebook and we made tons of songs that night a couple of those songs um i don't know if any none of those songs actually made the first record but they are still really good ideas that were made even on that first night outside that you'll hopefully be hearing in time um can't wait all really special and really exciting and you know flash forward to now we've just spent so much time eventually jared and i joe joe writes lyrics um but jared and i do the performing um and we've gotten pretty good at writing lyrics ourselves as well we added jared had a drummer back in his high school days he was in a band called case closed their drummer was andrew garrels he goes hey I, I know a great drummer i'll call him up and the fit was natural me and andy who had never met before our first jam together like hit it off right away fell in friendship love like immediately you know what i mean like absolute just like one of, one of the best people i know me him and jared felt really good together jared's roommate in college played bass andrew ryan phenomenal bassist possibly the most talented at, at his instrument in the group so we had a bass player with a drummer and two guitarists we were good man and ever since then like getting that album out this year in july was the band started technically in 2017. That's when that party jam happened. So that was four years in the making, four years of, of just like meeting up consistently and writing new songs and jamming and practicing and getting some gigs in here and there. And it was a really special moment for me in my life, um, getting that out. Like, even if nothing else ever happens for the rest of my life, like, I'm glad I can look back and be like, I made a pretty damn good album that a fantastic to, album yeah dude and that's there forever that's there yeah. forever and i'm stoked for you all right uh yeah. we've been going for an hour you want to wrap this up sure man i gotta i gotta uh take a piss like a goddamn race course so <laughs> same as as, all right like, goddamn i'm yeah. loving this conversation I've been Hopefully we'll do a part so two much. yeah i'd love yeah. to do a part two thank you so much for hopping on bro thanks for having me man it was a lot of fun i can't wait to listen back all right i'll talk to you later yeah man see you soon okay See you soon. All right. Bye. I will. Thank you. There must be some kind of way out of here. Say that jump into that.